He won the Daniel Warfel Trophy, which is given to the college football player who best represents having a heart for community service and for being an incre incredibly successful on and off the field. Um, he won this in, in 2009. This is given to one person in the, throughout the country. Uh, he works as striker and is a co-founder of Next Level, Level Performance, um, he's which is devoted to specific training and leadership development. So uh, let's give him an awesome, alive and free welcome to Tim Hill. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. All right. I don't want to trip and fall. Uh-oh. I'm making a mess. Thank you. How are you guys doing? Oh, weak sauce. How are you guys doing? Good. All right. That's better. Will you guys pray with me? God, I just thank you for this day that you've made. I thank you that we have breath in our lungs and the chance to, to live in it. And God, no one really wants to hear from me. They just want to hear from you. And um, I just pray that you would help me tonight to just stay out of your way and that you would speak through me um, and that it would impact lives, Lord. Um, we want to talk about leadership tonight. Lord, how does your word tell us to lead? I pray that uh, in a small way we can take some of these things and apply them to our lives and use them uh, tomorrow and, and Tuesday and Wednesday. And as we go forward into this week, Lord, may we be your servants. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I just thank you guys for letting me come out. And, and all I want to talk about tonight is three qualities of a biblical leader, of a godly leader. Okay? And I have a, had a lot of misconceptions in my life about leadership. So I played football, and that was my number one passion in life for the longest. And when I came to know Jesus in 2007, that started to change. But I was in this constant battle. Has anybody heard the word idol? Heard that word used before? Does anybody know what that is? An idol is anything in your life that takes the place of God. And most of the time, idols are good things, right? It might be a relationship, a family member. It might be something you love to do like football, art, music, whatever, right? An idol is usually a really good thing that takes away the best thing, takes the place of the best thing, and that's Jesus Christ, right, in our lives. And so for me, I was in this constant battle, even after Jesus became my Lord and Savior, that I was in a battle with an idol, and that idol was football, because I love the game, and God gave me a passion for it. But what I didn't use it properly to do was to really lead other people. Because whether I knew it or not, people were paying attention to what I was doing, just like they're paying attention to what every single one of you is doing, no matter what you're doing in your community. You know, again, art, music, you sing, you dance, you play sports, whatever it is, people want to see you succeed in that. They have a passion for what you have a passion for, and that's a platform of leadership. How are you using it? And if you let that good thing take the place of the best thing, that's where we're starting to run into problems in our life. And you saw in the picture when I came in, I did get a chance to play for one year in the National Football League, and I spent most of my time with Indianapolis Colts. And so I want to tell you a story about how I got humbled there and what it started to teach me about leadership. And then I want to go through three qualities that I see in the Bible of biblical leaders, of godly leaders. Does that sound good? So it was day one, NFL rookie minicamp, right? This is my first day on the job. This is like being, you know, the new kid in school. You come in, and you got all these veteran players, and it was 2010, and so there were these guys that I had watched on TV for years. Peyton Manning was the quarterback that I got to be a backup for. Joseph Adai was our, one of our running backs. Reggie Wayne, Dallas Clark, Jeff Saturday. All these guys that I admired from afar on TV, and now all of a sudden I was in the room. 
And so first day on the job, much, much like maybe some of you want to impress somebody, at, you know, first day of a, of a job, if you have a job or if you're at school, you want to impress the teacher on the first day. So I got there extra early, got all suited up. We had practice a couple hours. So I went early in the film room and I sat down to watch some film. And I was going through the practice script for the day, just trying to, you know, make sure I was ready, make sure I had my, my you know, T's crossed and my I's dotted in case I got an opportunity at practice to get some reps. And so I'm sitting in the front. And my wife will tell you that makes you an ultra nerd if you sit in the front. But trust me, you're my people in the front because I always sat in the front in class. And I sat right in the front of the room and I fired up the laptop and I was watching the film, going through my script. And I heard a voice in the back of the room. It was one of the older quarterbacks, not Peyton, but one of the backups. He goes, hey. Turned around and said, yeah, what's up? You can't sit there. Okay. So I slid over. He's like, that's where Peyton sits. I was like, oh, man, that's like the worst mistake I could ever make in the world, right? Sitting in the king's throne on the first day. And so I said, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. So I slid over a chair, and I, you know, go back to watching film. And he goes, hey, what's up, man? I just moved. Like, what, what's going on? And he's like, that's where he puts up his feet. So I guess if you're like the, you know, a 13-time Pro Bowl or a five-time MVP, you played in the Super Bowl, I guess you get two chairs in the meeting room. And so humbly, I went all the way to the back of the room and took my rightful place in the back. Now, that's kind of a silly story, but when you think about that example of sliding over, that's what a, a biblical leader, a godly leader does, is they slide over for other people. They take themselves. I wanted to be first, right? I'd been the starter in college. I wanted to be first. I wanted it to be about me. I wanted to be number one. I wanted to be in the spotlight, and I had to slide over for someone else. And we need to do that in our lives as leaders. We need to step aside because true leadership is really service. It really is. Today I was, you know, kind of a, a tangent, but I brought this with me today. Today I went to calling hours for my wife's cousin. His grandfather passed away, and his name was Mel Van Dis. And if you've ever heard of V&A Bootery, maybe it's kind of a shoe store in town, he founded that business. He's an incredible guy, and he was in World War II. He's a part of D-Day. Any of you learn about D-Day in history class? He stormed Normandy Beach. Could you imagine that? Coming off the boat, getting shot at? He survived that. I mean, an incredible guy. He played basketball at Western Michigan University. He went to Kalamazoo Central High School. He's one of the first players in the area in high school. They had an article on, his, on the board of pictures, you know, that you see at, at a funeral or a funeral home, that he was one of the first high school players in this area to dunk a basketball in 1941. I mean, how cool, isn't that, that's wild. It's so cool. And yet, as we were leaving, um, my wife and I were like, you know, I was talking to her and I was like, what do you remember about him? And she said, you know, every time I saw him, he always made my day better. I thought, man, here's this guy who, you know, first got to dunk a basketball, played basketball at Western. Uh, Western was really good back then. They played at Madison Square Garden in New York. He got to be in, you know, he's in, in World War II, survived that experience, started his own business. I mean, he accomplished all these things. And what legacy did he leave as a leader? He made my day better. Isn't that cool? I mean, all, above all those other things that he accomplished, and I, I wanted to read this. It was in, in his little bulletin that I brought with. It says, because I belong to Jesus Christ... This makes me wholeheartedly willing and ready from now on forevermore to live for him. Isn't that cool? That's the epitome of a leader. And so I think when there, there's three things the Bible tells us about leadership, and I want to tell you three stories and share three Bible verses, and each of them has a point that I believe make up a biblical godly leader, okay? And those three things are this. Godly leaders are servants, godly leaders are selfless, and godly leaders are sacrificial, okay? Godly leaders are servants, Godly leaders are selfless. Godly leaders are sacrificial. So my wife, when I talk about servants, my wife's a kindergarten teacher, 
right? She has this student. His name's Jamar, all right? He's like the littlest guy in the class. He's five years old, and he is super ADD. Anybody ADD? Squirrel, right? Hyper, running around, trying to learn. And every day she has them sit on the learning carpet, and they always sit. We used to call it Indian style, I guess, when I was in kindergarten. Now they call it crisscross applesauce. So you sit on the learning carpet, read your book, and she'll be sitting there and she'll say, all right, crisscross applesauce, and all the kids sit there, and he's over there looking out the window. All right, that's kind of how he's wired. Or she'll have them all sitting on the learning carpet reading a book, and he'll be crawling on his desk. Like, he's just, you can't even sit him still. And so my wife has been like, what am I going to do with Jamar? What am I going to do with him? What am I going to do with him? And one night she was sitting there, and I was, like, helping make dinner, and she was, like, kind of zoned out. She was just, like, staring. And I was like, honey, you all right? And she kind of snapped out of it. She's like, I'm going to make Jamar a leader. I was like, are you crazy? Like, if, you're, if he's the leader of the class, this thing is going to be a circus. You have no, I mean, the, everybody's going to be running around. Everybody's going to, you know, you're going to be pulling your hair out. Why, why would you make him the leader? She said, no, no, trust me, I have an idea. I was like, I got to see this. So I, I went in to read in her class one day, and she's like, I'm going to go talk to him. So she sat him down in a chair, and no joke, he's looking at the ceiling, like watching the fan, like spinning his head in circles. And she's like, Jamar. And she claps his hand, and he kind of looks at her, and, he, and uh, she says, you're going to be a leader. And he kind of looked at her, he said, what's that? And she explained leadership in the most perfect way I've ever seen. And if, if the five-year-old can understand it, I think we can too. And this is what she did. Every day, Jamar gets to come in first to class. And he opens the door and he holds it for everyone till they all come in. And then at recess, he gets to go to recess first and he grabs the door and he holds it and he lets everyone out to recess. And then at the bus stop, he gets to go first. He opens the door and he lets all his classmates go. And I can tell you that Jamar is more focused, he's less of a problem, and he's doing better in school than he ever has before. And his dad came in about a month ago, and he had tears in his eyes, and he was talking to my wife, and he says, you know, I want to tell you what Jamar said. He came home, and he said, Dad, guess what? I'm a real leader. He said, well, what does that mean, Jamar? What do you do? And he said, I'm a real leader. I hold the door for other people. Isn't that a picture of leadership? Leadership is service. Makes, makes me tear up thinking about it. Leadership is service. Hold the door for other people. Matthew 10, 42 says, if anyone even gives a cup of cold water to one who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. Giving a cup of cold water to somebody when they're thirsty. Holding the door for someone else, right? Smiling at someone in the hallway. Going and talking to someone that no one else wants to talk to at school. Your reward is great in heaven, right? That's all God wants, right? The widow, the orphan, the less fortunate, your character is defined by what you do for people who can never, ever, 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 ever repay you. That's servant leadership. Hold the door for others, just like Jamar. So the first thing biblical leaders are is they're servants. The second thing is that they're selfless. They're selfless. Godly leaders are selfless. They don't live for their own desires, but they live to help other people. I grew up in Ohio. Sorry. <laughs> My wife doesn't, doesn't like that. She likes to rub that in. And I grew up in Ohio, and have, has anybody ever driven through Ohio? Yes? A lot of people, they're like, you're from Ohio, you ever been to Cedar Point? I'm like, really? Yes, I've been to Cedar Point a hundred times. Most people, when they're driving through Ohio, they're either going to Cedar Point, or they're going to like Myrtle Beach, somewhere much cooler and warmer. But how many of you would agree it's like the most boring drive of your life, driving through Ohio? Yeah, I see you, Robbie. Right? Flat. And what do you see a lot of? Fields of what? Corn. There's corn everywhere. Any of you know anything about growing corn? I'm going to tell you a story about corn right? Did you know, seriously, did you know if you're a corn farmer, the worst thing you can do is focus on your own field? Did you know that? If you focus on your own field, I mean, you could plant the best seed at the right time, 
You could water it all you want. You could fertilize it. You could harvest at the right time. You could do everything right, and you could have average corn. Now, why is that? Because corn grows in flatland, right? And it's usually really windy. And corn cross-pollinates, right? One of the best things you can do is take care of your neighbors and not your own field. Because when the wind blows through there, some of your corn is in your neighbor's field, and some of your neighbor's corn is in your field. And guess what? If you have bad neighbors and you don't take good care of them, your corn's going to be average. Isn't that a cool picture of leadership? Leaders being selfless? Let me ask you this. Is it only about your field and your life, or is it about the people around you? Are you looking out for the field next to you, to the north, south, east, west? I think I pointed in completely wrong directions there, but anyway, I'm not, I don't have a good sense of direction. Is it about the fields around you? Are you selfless? Or is it only about your field? Where's your focus, right? A corn farmer has to be selfless by definition. Jesus said this. He said in John 15, 13, greater love has no, none other than this, that he would lay down his life for his friends. Jesus not only taught that, right? I'm going to read that again. John 15, 13. Greater love has none other than this, to lay down one's life for his friends. Is it about your field or your neighbor's fields, right? Jesus not only taught that, he lived it, didn't he? And he lived it to the point of death. That he would, he would not worry just about his own life, his own field, but he worried about you and about me and everybody else for all mankind, for all history. He laid down his life, paid the price for our sin, went to the cross, bled and died for us. He didn't just talk it, he walked it. He lived it out. So great leaders from a biblical perspective are servants, they're selfless, and finally they're sacrificial. They're sacrificial. What, one thing I want you to think about right now is I want to think about how you got to, to here tonight. And I'm not talking like your ride. I'm talking like, how did you get here, right? I mean, at some point you were born. Who taught you how to walk? How'd you learn to talk? Who took you to school on your first day of school? Think about that for a second. Who listened to you when you had problems when you were younger? Who f calmed your fears when you were scared? What teacher stayed after class day after day to help you figure out that math problem you couldn't figure out? What coach stayed out at practice rep after rep after rep to help you master that thing that you just struggled with? What art teacher took the extra time to help you develop your craft because you were really good at painting or drawing or something like that? Who are those people that helped you get here tonight? Who introduced you to the river? Was it a friend? Was it a principal? Was it a teacher? Who are those people in your life that invested in you? Because great leaders from a biblical perspective are sacrificial. And what that means is they're willing to give up their desire to better somebody else. They're willing to give up their desire to better somebody else. I had a football coach that used to talk about those type of people, and there was a word that, that they, he referred to them as, and it's hero. Those people are your heroes. And what's the definition of a hero? Forget yourself for others, and others will never forget you. That's what a hero is. Forget yourself for others, and others never forget you. Think about the people that impacted your life the most. I know for me in my life, it, I mean, it wasn't anybody ultra celebrity, ultra special. It was people who took time, right, to listen to me, took time out of their day and put their agenda aside. They had kids, they had families, but they took time to stay after practice and work with me. They took time after class to give me more challenging work. They took time to listen to me when I was struggling and I had no one else to talk to. It was those special people that made the biggest difference in my life. In 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20, Paul writes this. He says, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. You are not your own. You're bought at a price. You ever see like any of those kidnapping movies with like a ransom note written in, written in blood, right? Those scary movies. What is a ransom? A ransom is a price, right? To free someone from captivity, right? We've seen that. And this says this. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Somebody paid for you. And who was that? It was a sacrificial leader named Jesus, wasn't it? 
that he was willing to lay down his life. He lived the life that you and I couldn't live. And he paid that ransom note, right? Like we were kidnapped to our sin. And he paid that note. He paid it in full. And he died on the cross and rose again so that you and I could be free, alive and free, just like this group, right? So that we can live life without guilt, without fear, without shame, and that we have eternity in heaven with him. That's sacrificial leadership. He didn't just talk about it. He lived it out. Guys, great leaders are servants. Great leaders are selfless. Great leaders are sacrificial. Now, as I kind of tie this all together, one thing is it sounds like a lot of pressure, right? You think about it like, man, how do I not think about myself so much? There's so much going on in my life. I'm so busy. I have all these, you know, good things happening, and I have all these problems. How, how can I possibly do that? I mean, how can I set that example, you know? How can I talk about my faith at school? How can I listen to that person? I don't know what to say to them, right? Let me assure you that if you try to lead from a godly perspective, not a worldly perspective, the pressure's off. You're saying, how, how is that possible? Well, I believe this verse, it, it really rings true, and it takes the pressure off of us. Listen to this. Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. He said, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Did you hear that? I'm going to read that again. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. You know what? If you want to lead on your own, in your own strength, on your own skills, with your own words, yeah, that's a lot of pressure, right? That's a lot of things on your shoulders. But if you lead this way, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ, you're really not leading at all. You're just pointing people to Jesus, right? That you study his word. You study the man's life. You get to know him. And you say, wow, he was, he was sacrificial. He took care of other people. He, he showed compassion for the people that came to him. He, he, he took time out to pray. Maybe I should do that. He took time to listen to other people. I can do that. And all you're doing is you do that. It's not about you. Follow me as I follow Jesus. Isn't that cool? It takes the pressure off that I study the book, I study the man's life, I watch what he said, I watch what he did, and I just simply do my best, and I'll fail. I won't be perfect, but I'll simply do my best to follow him. And as I do that, I'll invite people to watch me on the journey, and I'll live my life in a way that it's different, and I'll say things that are a little bit different, and I'll listen and love other people in a way that's a little bit different, and they'll say, why is that? Let me tell you about my friend Jesus that I'm following. Come follow me as I follow him. That's great leadership. That's godly leadership. That's leadership that's pleasing in God's sight. Guys, great leaders from a biblical perspective, not the world's perspective, but a biblical perspective, they're servants, they're selfless, and they're sacrificial. Okay? And if we do those three things, we can make a great impact. 1 Corinthians says that we are Christ's ambassadors, as if God is sending his message through us. We're his tools. We're designed to be his leaders in our schools, in our families, where we live, where we serve. And I hope that you guys will take on that challenge, all right? So let me pray for us, and then I think we're going to do a little bit of Q&A, okay? God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it says about leadership, and thank you for the example that your son set. God, help us to be servants. Help us to put other people before ourselves and be selfless, and help us to be sacrificial, just like your son was, to lay down our desires. Lord, we're, we're, we're all selfish at times, and we just need to set that aside. And I pray that we would... Um, lead others, Lord, um, by following your example um, and bring others to you, Lord, that we could be able to say, just like Paul, follow my example as I follow that of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord, that you would be with each student here, Lord. Help them to lead boldly in their schools. Help them to be themselves and, and to be confident in that because their identity is in you and not in anything else. And I just pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
We're going to do a little Q&A now. So if you guys have any questions, just kind of raise your hand, and I'll kind of point them off, and some will answer them for you. But anyone? I like hard questions. Come on. You guys. Man. Professionally or just anything? So, so this is interesting. So, so I'm going to tell a little story. So my dad... Like, growing up, my, I used to think this was, like, the nerdiest thing ever, right? But my dad would, like, we get the newspaper at our house. I don't even know if anybody gets a newspaper anymore, but we, we got a newspaper at my house. And he would always read it, and he would always, like, take a red pen and, like, circle all this stuff and write, my, like, Tim, 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 Tim. So he, he was, like, showing me things, like, to make sure I read them. And what he would do, he was really good at this in the local paper, like, even in the high school sports sections, he, would, he was showing me pictures of leadership. So he, he would, like, see an example of something good, and he'd circle it and tell me to read it because um, he had already gone to work, and, and there was a, an athlete um, that, I, that went to our church, and he was like a senior in high school in like 1996, I think, I mean, this was a long time ago, and he was the running back on the team, and, and the point guard, and he was a really good student, and he was a really good leader, and I just admired him like crazy, his name was Tom Reeser, no one's ever heard of him, he lives in Columbus, Ohio, he's got three kids, he's a financial advisor, um, you know, I mean, just kind of a basic guy, but, but he went on and he played college football at Dartmouth, and the Ivy League, um, but he just lived out some of these principles. I mean, he was just he was just a good guy. He served other people, and he was kind of my role model when I was like seven, eight, nine years old, and he was in high school. Um, and it was because of my dad showing me those pictures of leadership. So just honestly, that's my answer. It's pretty cool. I'll give you guys a tip. So when like you ask people a question, like when you're speaking like this. They say it takes the human brain seven seconds to like think of something. So when you ask a question, always count to eight. So awkward silence. Come on. Hmm. Probably my all-time favorite moment was my junior year. We played Illinois in the from in the Big Ten. We played them at Ford Field, where the Lions play. If you guys like the Lions, and. Um, it was a really special day for multiple reasons. Um, back then, Ron Zook was the head coach at Illinois, and he actually coached at my high school, like back in the day. So there was that connection. And then my grandfather, who um, is another person I admire, um, played at the University of Illinois. So my grandfather was a center. He's an offensive lineman at Illinois. And in 1952, he was a part of a Rose Bowl team. They beat Stanford in the Rose Bowl, so he's got a ring. And it was just something I always just was like, oh, you know, I was inspired by. Um, so to play Illinois, and then we actually beat them. Uh, it was just like, it, it was an amazing day for my family. Um, so that's probably my favorite memory out of everything. One thing I would say about just like, um, for all of you guys, is just like in, enjoy this time. Like some of you are in middle school probably, some, or maybe all of you are in high school, I don't know, a mixture of both, but like it goes so fast. And like, I mean, you're in it now and you're probably not thinking about that. One of my biggest regrets, honestly, um, from playing you know, sports, high school, college, and beyond um, is it like it goes so fast and I was so focused on like winning and being a, like, just you know being the best I could be and, and, and that was good and it helped me succeed in many ways but like I don't have as many memories as I, w I wish I had because I, I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have because I was so focused and I'd really encourage you guys to just like step back and enjoy it every now and then you know and that doesn't mean like make goofy bad decisions right or do something crazy it just means you know take a moment to you know you win a game or you, you know you have something cool happen just Praise God, you know, just, just thank him for that opportunity. Step back and slow down. That's, that's one regret I would have. 
So. Last time, another question over here. Oh, man. You know, um, probably at the end of the end of my high school career, like we had a tradition in our school where like we always like locked arms and like walked the full hundred yards um, and every class did it. And I just remember doing that as a senior class, we had like 20 some guys. And I can tell you from like playing at, you know, college and beyond, like there's nothing quite like that. There really isn't. That's why I, I still try to stay plugged in coaching some high school football. I've coached, I coached at Vicksburg for a year. I was a head coach at Gull Lake for a few years. I helped at Lloyd Norricks last year. Um, there's something special about that because those are your boys that you grew up with, and there's just nothing like that. Um, you go to college, and it's, it's more, you know, dog-eat-dog, dog, competitive, and it's not that you don't have great friends. I, some of my, my best friends are from my college days, but there's just nothing like playing with the guys you grew up with, uh, played rocket with and all that fun stuff. So, again, just... Got to really enjoy that time. That's one of my favorite memories. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that's a great question. So I would have told you as young as probably, <laughs> last time I was home, my, my mom pulled out, you know, she's going through all these things trying to get the junk out of her house and give it to me. And um, she found this, this book that I wrote in, like, fifth grade, like, Young Authors Club after school. And in the back, in, like, the little bio you write about yourself, I called myself a Christian. But the thing is, is, like, I had no clue what that meant, right? So what does it mean to be a Christian? It means that you recognize that there's sin in your life that separates you from God. And the only way that that gap can be closed is Jesus died for us on the cross. He paid the price for the life we couldn't live. He paid the price for that sin, and if we, you know, Romans uh, ten nine tells us that if we confess with our mouth that He's Lord, and then we believe in our hearts that He was raised by the dead or raised by God from the dead, we'll be saved. And that's what it means to be a Christian. And I didn't understand that. And I, I went to a Methodist church. Um, there's several Methodist churches around here, and it was a great place. Had a great pastor, but I can honestly tell you, I don't really remember that being presented clearly. And so I went off to school. I mean, I even like I was involved in FCA in high school, and I spoke. But I guess I'm saying all this to say that like those actions don't make you a Christian, right? You, you getting up in front of a group and speaking like I am tonight, that doesn't make me a Christian, right? I mean, if I speak really plainly, I mean, I could still, you know, if I, if I didn't have Christ in my life and I did all these good things, I could still go to hell, right? I mean, that's the cutthroat truth. And so I didn't, I didn't realize that. And so I went away to school in my, my freshman year at Western. Uh, I played as a true freshman, which was a, really a growth experience. In the final game of the year, um, I suffered a really nasty injury, and I tore my ACL, my MCL, and my PCL all on my right knee. I got a big old, nice 10-incher on the inside, big scar. And um, I still wear a brace on it when I do certain things. And it was a huge wake-up call. Um, it took away, it sent me into a dark time, and it sent me into a place where do I really believe that what I say I believe is really real? And uh, I had to come to, to grips with that. And um, I went through kind of a dark time. Um, and when I came out on the other side, I was actually at a Fellowship of Christian Athletes camp at Albion College uh, that I worked with my then-girlfriend, now-wife. And at that camp, it just blew the doors off because I had never seen football as a way that I could share my faith. And it, it totally, like, changed my perspective that this was a tool in my hands that I could use for good if I chose. And it was there that I gave my life to Jesus. Um, and in, from that point on, football has meant less and less to me. Um, obviously, I'm still involved in different ways, um, 
and, and it wasn't like I wasn't working hard anymore. It meant less in the sense of it was just a tool to use for God's glory. And I'd never thought of it that way. So um, that's kind of my journey of how my faith became my own. It was through adversity. It was through trials. So, yeah. Sorry. What encouraged me to play? You know, my grandfather was a real inspiration, but he never, like, put, well, the thing that was cool is he never pushed me to do it. He was never like, you're going to do this. He kind of stepped back, and when I started showing a love for it, like, he, he encouraged me then. So for me, um, it was just kind of having a role model and an inspiration like that um, that kind of pushed me towards it. I loved a lot of sports. I played baseball. I played basketball. Uh, in high school, I ran track. Uh, I did a bunch of different things, but I really gravitated towards that, I think, because of him. Um, and, you know, when he saw that I had a gift for that, uh, much like great teachers or great parents or other people that you all have in your life do, um, when he saw that, that I had a gift and a passion for that, he encouraged me to keep pursuing it and to use it to help other people. So, great question. That's a great question. So here, so I guess I'm going to break it into two parts. The first thing I'll say is, like, I've used this example when I speak to other groups. Is How many of you like the Detroit Red Wings? Anybody like hockey? You've heard of the Red Wings at least, right? Anybody, anybody heard of a guy? This, so this is going to maybe some of the helpers or the volunteers. Or not. Anybody heard of a guy named Gordie Howe? Have you ever heard that name? Right? You know how old Gordie Howe was when he retired from the National Hockey League? Anybody know? Close. He was 52 years old. I'm serious. He started playing hockey when he was seven or eight years old, and he played until he was 52. He was on the same team with one of his own kids, right? That's how old, that's how long he played. Gordie Howe's still alive today, though. So if he played from when he was eight to when he was 52, that's what, like roughly 44 years, right? Something like that. He's like almost 90 now. He spent, even the longest tenured professional athlete ever has spent more of his life being something other than an athlete, right? So think about that. Like, for me, like, I'm not even 30 yet, and football's over, right? And so I guess I say all that to say that, like, your thing will change from time to time, and you have gifts and talents and passions and things in your life that only God can give you. And there are people out there that, like, I can impact that you can't. And there are people out there that you can impact that I can't, right? I can speak to an athlete who has, who's had an injury, and I can help change their life because I have that experience. You have experiences... Maybe you've been through, you know, a divorce. Your parents got divorced. Or maybe you've been through a death in your family. Maybe you've been through something really hard that I haven't been through. And you can speak life and hope into someone else's life. And so I would simply say, like, lead where you are. And don't get so hung up in trying to find your thing. Because we all have different things, and those things change. You know, I mean, like, you know, you guys mentioned next level in the introduction. I mean, you know, it's, it's something different for me. Uh, you know, coaching kids and talking about leadership and doing different things. I love it. Um, 10 years ago, or when I was in college, I mean, I never would have told you I was doing that. I would have told you I was still going to play professionally as long as I could. Things change, and that's okay. God has a plan for your life. You know, Romans 8.28 tells us that in all things, everything, that's the good and the bad, right? In all things, God works together for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. If you love God and you just trust his plan, even in the bad times, there's good on the other side. So that's, that's what I would say is your thing's going to change. 
And, um, you know, he, God's the same, right? He never changes. So. There's a question right here. Yeah. What do I see God in? Oh, that's a great question. You know, the, the primary place that he, he speaks to me and all of us is in his word, right? But I th- probably the way these days I see him the most is, so um, my wife and I are having our first child in June, so I'm really excited we're having a boy. And to see the miracle of, of a baby and that new life, is, it's, um, I can't even talk about it. I mean, it's, it's amazing to what I've learned about that. And so I see, I see that every day. I see God a lot in other people. So one of the ways that, um, you know, to, to do this and to talk to people like all of you and to get to, you know, listen to athletes and, and kind of um, watch them, you know, learn a new skill or master leadership and different things, I, I see that. And a lot of times I see God move um, through other people. Like the way, the way that at the right time, like I was, so the other day we had like a kind of an open house for our next level. We opened like a facility and I, I was so nervous. Like, I didn't know if 10 people were going to come or 110 people. I, I, I was so nervous that it wasn't going to go well. And at the right time, like, my um, friend texted me a verse from Proverbs 13 that said that the Lord will help the plans of the diligent succeed. And I was just like, man, there's God moving around me. And so I think he really moves through the people around us a lot in our life. And that's why it's so important we surround ourselves with good people that share our same beliefs, share our faith. So it's a great question. Anything yeah. else? Over here? Yeah. I just wonder what else God's doing in your life right now. Whether mm. you're starting that next level thing or going yeah. to other places and yeah. teaching and things like this. Yeah. I, I, don't know, I don't always know what he's up to, to be honest with you. Um, I've always tried to take the mindset of that I'm just here to serve. And if an opportunity to serve comes along and, you know, my wife's on board and we're ready to go, then we'll go serve. Um, I'm praying hard that he's preparing me to be a great dad. Um, you know, sometimes Satan talks to me and tells me I might fail in that area, and I, and I just have to push that out and remind myself that, um, you know, that's the most important job I'll ever have, is to invest in his life and um, to be there for him. And so that's, there's a lot of work there um, that's being done, because I'm, I'm learning more about God as my heavenly father, as I think about being an earthly father to my son. Um, and that's something that, that I'm excited to learn a lot more about. So, thank you. Anything else? No. Got to count to eight. See, it works. <laughs> Jordan? that going, huh? Yeah, it's, for sure, it's hard. Um, I try to work out at least three or four days a week. My wife and I like to stay active and do that. She played basketball at Western, so it's kind of both in, in our blood. Um, I play some basketball. I play in a basketball league, um, so that keeps me moving and stays competitive, but it's, it's fun for me to um, try to help other people compete, and that's kind of what I really love about Next Levels. I have a couple quarterbacks I'm working with right now. Actually, four or five, some middle school guys, and I have a couple high school guys from Grand Rapids that have been coming down to train. And it's trying to prepare them to compete well. It's kind of fun. And trying to, you know, invest some of that in their life. So it's kind of a combination of all those. It's, you know, the hard thing about football is you can't really, like, go play in a pickup tackle football league. Those don't really exist, at least 
that I'm aware of. Um, so <laughs> if you find one, let me know. But um, the, my wife wouldn't like that. I'd probably get hurt again. Um, but the basketball helps me scratch the itch. And then just trying to invest in other people's lives and, and teach them, you know, what I've learned over the years. So, Yeah. That's a, that's a great point. I, I think it's so much about like who, who's around you and um, being willing to just take the first step of being a little bit vulnerable with someone and telling them that you're struggling. Because um, one of the things that, that I've learned over the years is like, um, I, somebody taught me this years ago that like the best ability you can have is availability, like just being there for someone else. And I think if you have those people around you that you can trust enough to, to talk about that, I think you'd be surprised to find how many people are in the same place that you are, or they're really close. And if you can help each other through that, there's, I mean, that's one of the things that God's word teaches is that, you know, we think about the church and we think about the river and we're all here, that there's to be community of believers. And so when we go out in the world, it's hard sometimes, right? Not everybody believes what we believe. Sometimes we get persecuted and we feel like we have those those problems that we can't overcome. But when we come to a place like this and we hold each other accountable, we realize that we do have in Christ, not on our own, but in Christ, we have what it takes to overcome those things. And when I look at what Jesus did for me, for you, for us on the cross, like my problems don't compare to what he went through for me. And so if I can draw strength from that and have those people around me that can hold me accountable and remind me of that, um, that's what helps me through, and I think that's what can help, help you and others through, too, is, is having that kind of core group. And it, it might be one or two people, but those people that you trust that you can say, I'm, you know, can, can you listen to me? I'm struggling a little bit, and, and remind yourself of, you know, in Christ we can do this. So um, it's easier said than done, but to me that's kind of where the starting point is. Does that help? Yeah. Thanks. Okay. I did. Sorry. Yeah, you know, I think one of the best, what I've seen, I, I had a lot of injuries. So at Western, um, before I, was a, I knew Jesus, I, um, I damaged my right knee pretty badly. The year, right after I um, experienced, you know, personal conversion and came to know Jesus, that year in camp, in training camp, I broke my foot. I didn't know I broke my foot, and so like I was just kind of gutting it out and playing through it, because I was coming off an injury, so I was competing for the starting job to maybe play again, and I ended up playing a whole season with a broken foot, and that, not many people knew about that, but that really helped me grow in my prayer life. Like, every single day, I was in so much pain that it was like, all right, God, help me walk to the next class. All right, God, help me get through practice. All right, God, help me. I mean, it was just this constant, like, dependence on him, and I honestly can probably say that I've never my prayer life has probably never been quite as good as it was that year because I was so dependent on him every single day to get through that time. Um, and then later on, I tore my ACL on the other knee, and so I had those three surgeries. And I think what I noticed is the, the biggest chance I had to live out my faith was in hard times, not so much good times. I mean, in, in good times, it's easy to say the right things, you know, praise God, and, and don't, I, don't take that lightly. We should do that. But 
um, it was in the hard times and the adversity that I had an even bigger chance to be a witness for Jesus because people were kind of watching to see, how's he going to handle that? And if I could handle it with class and with humility and just you know, keep my mouth shut and work hard and, and do the right things, even when all the odds were against you, um, people notice that. And you know, just like you mentioned there, if you're going through a hard time and people see the way you handle a hard time and they say, how, how's that happen? Well, it's, it's, let me tell you about a guy named Jesus that's in my life, right? So um, I would say that that was the biggest opportunity. It's hard. I mean, you know, weird things happen in NFL locker rooms. And, um, you know, it's, it's cool to see, like, you know, my friend Greg Jennings um, plays for uh, the Minnesota Vikings still. And he told me a story, he, you know, with all the Adrian Peterson stuff going on. I don't know if you guys follow this or not. He got in trouble and um, suspended and all these things. And, and Greg said when he came to that team, he was one of the older players. And so he kind of kept to himself, and he's like, I don't, I don't want any of that drama. I'm not, you know. And he kind of kept to himself, and he really felt convicted by the Lord that he needed to reach out more. And so it's cool to see guys like him who have, have Christ in their life who are trying to reach out and be a mentor to other people. And, um, you know, there, there are more believers around than I thought. But I think the, the real opportunity to showcase it is through adversity, not the good times when it's hard. Do you really believe that? So. That's a great question. Faith is so, it's, right, so if we, if we look in Hebrews 11, right, it says that faith is the assurance of what we hope for, the certainty of things we can't see. And that's what's so hard, is I, I can't see what's going to happen tomorrow. I've been work, maybe I've been working on something for a whole year, and it's just not happening, and I can't see what's next. And I think ha- faith is having that ability to say, I'm going to try one more time, and if it doesn't work out, I'm going to try one more time. And I'm going to just keep, keep that one more time mentality. And God will come through. I mean, there's so many cool stories in the Bible of people praying. I mean, look at Abraham, like in Genesis, if you've ever heard of that story or read it. Like, he was promised a, a child at, when he was 75, and he didn't have him until he was 100. Like, 25 years. I mean, and we think about, like, you know, we get impatient waiting five minutes at the grocery store, right? That sometimes we have to be, you know, uh, Psalms talks about being strong and waiting on the Lord. Um, it's easy to say that to somebody. It's hard when they're hurting. And so I think if you can, you can encourage them with that, but then also just love them. You know what I mean? Like somebody's really hurting, and you say, like, share kind of what we just said in those last couple seconds and say, I'm here for you, and I care about you. And, like, that can be the thing that pushes them along in their faith is, like, just being there and loving somebody in addition to reminding them of where that hope can be in Jesus, I think is so important. Like, if we just tell them that without the love, it doesn't do much. You know what I mean? So that's what, to me, that's where the power is in the struggle. So that's a cool question. Thank you. Right over here. In this book, every day, is how I know the most. There's times where I may not, I mean, there's lots of people debate about, you know, the, the whisper, right, or I heard this, or, you know, I mean, the way I look at it is he, I have an opportunity to hear directly from him every day in his word, and so um, that's where I try to focus my, my attention. Honestly, for me, sometimes, did any of you ever struggle to pray? I'll be fully honest, prayer's a struggle for me sometimes. I like to be busy, I like to move fast, and so slowing down and 
and you know praying is is hard sometimes um but i really enjoy reading god's word and so for me um you know i would encourage all of you like if you just build it into your day somehow like get up five minutes earlier or do it with someone at lunch or whatever like protect time in your day somewhere to get in the word because that's how he speaks to us every day um and that's where that's where i hear his voice every day so thanks Matt. Most of the time, that's a great question. (laughs) Most of the time when that happens, I'm reminded by someone else that I need to get back on track. And it's, it's usually not me like, oh, I need to quit being an idiot. (laughs) Like it's, it's usually someone close to me who says, hey, you know, because I care about you, I just want you to know that I see this. And I'm like, ooh, thank you. Like I, I don't want to be that way. Right. And a lot of times it's, it's my wife or it's um, a couple of my close friends so it's kind of, I have, you know, a group of, and we all have them, like a group of three or four or five people that like, you know, are on speed dial on your cell phone, right? If I have an issue, I'm going to text him or her. Um, it's usually, for me, it's usually one of those people that are kind of like, hey, I just want you to know, like, I saw you talking to her and, you know, you're, you just seemed a little bit bitter. Oh my God, you know, I, I'm sorry. I didn't want to be that way. Thank you for that reminder. And it's that, that accountability, I think, is what really helps me stay on track. So it's important to have those people in your life, so. That's a great point. Um, sometimes I felt like if if I lived my faith, then I, like somebody came out of the woodwork that I had like I was like really you're you believe that too? You know they kind of it's like they came forward because they heard me say it, um, but maybe they hadn't had the courage yet to say something. And I think I mean one of my favorite quotes is that when we think about leadership is that leadership is better caught than taught. So what that means is leadership, you'll learn leadership better if you watch me lead than if I just teach you, oh, well, leader does this, leader does that. Like, like the talk today, you would all learn leadership much more effectively by watching someone lead than you would by having them teach you a lesson about it, right? And I think faith is the same way. I think that our faith in Jesus Christ is better caught than taught. Like I can teach you from God's word, and that's important, so don't get me wrong, but you'll learn it better from watching someone live it out. And so I think the best thing you can do is just live it. Just live it. People are drawn to it. You know, when you have the right opportunity to witness, witness. And I, I found that people kind of came out of the woodwork a little bit. And, like, they might have been too timid to share, but they heard you share. They saw you do something, and they would say, hey, you know, that was really cool. Like, I go to church here. Oh, cool. And then there's kind of that connection. But I think that's one, one of the things that's cool about a group like this, too, is, like, it crosses school boundaries, right? That, you know, with social media and stuff today and texting and all that, like, I can connect with people from other schools uh, more often than I could, you know, a few years ago. And, you know, leverage that stuff for good and, and use that. I don't know if that helps at all. But. Anything else? This is really fun. Hard question. Tim. <laughs> We're going to have to do this? <laughs> Maybe after. All right, so let's give Tim a big, uh, big welcome. Thanks, guys. Thank you for coming in.